Welcome to week two of The Truth About Christmas. You are listening to the Equip podcast by Arise Ministries. I am Mel Hyatt. I have my friend Tracy Nyberg here for week two. Tracy, thanks for coming back and joining us. You're welcome. If you missed last week, you are going to want to go back and listen. Uh, week one of The Truth About Christmas, we talked about there's no room in the end. It sounds very encouraging, doesn't it? We talked about this idea that there wasn't room in the end in that moment, but but we see that God was working out his story and that eventually he created that space at the right time in the right moment for the right people. So we know that you will be very encouraged. So make sure you get a chance to go back and listen to that. Tracy, I'm so glad that you're here to continue as we are walking through the Christmas story. We just all need a moment to sit or drive or clean while we're listening and to just ponder and think about what is true and what is good. And that might not be all of the things around us. It might be. But where it is always true and always good is in scripture. And so I'm so thankful that I have you as a friend. And I know you love this word as an accountability partner (laughs) um, to help me walk through scripture. So we're going to get kicked off here. Um, Last time we talked about no room in the end. What else has caught your attention in the Christmas story as a grown-up? I love um, when you read the account in Luke 2. That you go through, you know, okay, Jesus is born in this stable, and the angels appear to the shepherds, and the shepherds, they come, and they visit, um, and then they share, they leave, and they share everyone, uh, with everyone about, you know, what they've experienced, and you get down to verse 19, and it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And I love this. There's a couple different things, which is, okay, when we think about how our Bible has come to us, and we have these four gospel accounts, um, before they were written, these were the stories that the disciples were telling of this is what Jesus did, and this is what Jesus said. And then, then it was like, okay, we need to write this down and spread this further and document this. This is powerful. And obviously the Holy Spirit had his role that he played in that. Um, but when you're talking about these very early stories of Jesus, you think, how did they get these stories? And you realize that the most likely candidate is Mary, that Mary was telling the birth story. Okay, I never... I've never thought of this before. This is the book of Luke, but this section should be the book of Mary. Because how else would they know that the angel said that to her and that she felt that way? This this is a great perspective. I like where you're going with this. I think... I, when I was thinking about this, I thought about how we kind of have these birth stories that we tell. And um, like one of the things that my mom always tells about how I was born and I was, you know, crying my head off like all newborns are supposed to do, you know. And then they put me in this little bathtub that they had and they bathed me and I just stopped crying. I was just like so happy in this little tub. And and I love water. Like I love to swim. Okay. I love to take baths. I spend 30 minutes in the shower every day. Like, like I love water. Okay. And it's just so funny because my mom has this story, uh, you know, this birth story of me and it's symbolic to something that, that I love, you know. And I was thinking about like, this is, you know, Mary told this story. This is Jesus's birth story and symbolic to these 
amazing things. Um, so that's really cool. And I also like, like, she, the fact that it says Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart means that she communicated that to someone. Like, that she told that in telling it, she said, and I treasured that. I pondered it in my heart. And I would think that she probably had to tell it to several people or say it over and over again for it to get to Luke. Yeah. Because Luke was not present. Right. Am I correct on that? Yes. <laughs> okay. He was not present. At I'm the always checking my Bible checker. Like, he was not present. He wasn't present during that time. And so, what he is writing is not, I don't want to use the word rumors as a sense, but he is writing down all that he learned while he was investigating. Yeah. And so, for somebody to bring this up, I'm thinking that that was just a part, like your mom. All of her friends probably know about this bad baby, Tracy, that wouldn't stop crying until you put put her in water. And she probably, every new mom, she says, you should try putting them in a bath. Right. And so your mom has repeated this, and I'm assuming that Mary probably did too. Why would she do that? Why was it so important to go, I also, I treasured it. Uh, Or what did she say? I treasured up all of these things and pondered them in my heart. You know, why would she say this over and over? Why was this important? Or why did the Holy Spirit make sure that Luke put it in here? Right. I mean, I think that there is this crucial thing, this this sort of lesson that God wants to teach us about treasuring the gifts that he has for us. And, you know, if you listened to our last episode where we talked about no room for the inn, like this is not an idealized story. I mean, we may make like beautiful nativity sets and make it, you know, with the light shining just perfect and we think that it is. But this isn't an idealized story. And yet she found the truth and the gifts to treasure in this story. I I think one of the other things that sticks out with me in the treasuring is that this comes, like I said, right after uh, you talk about the shepherds, the angels appeared to the shepherds and then the shepherds came and visited Jesus and they spread the word about him and I was thinking you know we know from earlier that an angel did appear to Mary but in at Jesus's birth the angel didn't appear to Mary that angels appeared to the shepherds and Mary got the stinky shepherds like so but she still treasured that and so I think there's like even another layer of that too, of like sometimes God gives us a gift and it's like the angel and it's amazing. And sometimes it's the stinky shepherd, but he's telling us the story of the angel saying they came and, you know, the angel said glory to God in the highest on earth, peace (laughs) on those on whom his favor rests. Like, and we can still treasure that story, treasure that message, treasure the fact that those shepherds came um, even again, when it's not ideal, like, and we're, I, I, we find ourselves in the same place we were in week one going, but God, couldn't you have just helped her out just a little, <laughs> you know, like our, my, my desire, I would have wanted to fix it. I would have, I would have wanted there to be room in the end. I would have wanted her to see the angels, but then I would have stolen this whole story, story from her. Uh, but again, we see this God that not in a punishment or not that Mary didn't deserve any of these things, but we see this blessing that looks really different than what I feel like I have been taught over all this time, what blessing should look like. Yeah. And he's going, I'm working this out and I'm yeah. writing this story. 
that years from now people are going to read and do a podcast over. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. I mean, I think when I read that, I read a challenge of like, Lord, help me to treasure the gifts that you are giving me, to see them for the value that they are, that they really are treasures. And um, to not miss, don't let me miss what you have for me. Don't let me miss the true treasures that are there. So I have two questions for you out of that. One, how do we reframe this idea of gifts then, gifts Mm -hmm. from God? Because I think initially we then think that they're all just really feel-good, wonderful things. So how do we reframe gifts? And then two, I'm going to ask you, so you can double think. I think that you're smart Uh enough to do this. But how do we then treasure those gifts? So we, how do we reframe them? And then what do we do with them once we've reframed them and we see them as gifts? How do we treasure them? Yeah. I mean, I think that... Okay, I guess maybe part of the reframing is realizing what treasuring is not. Like, treasuring is not denial of the truth. And, um, you know, like we've talked about, the, the church sometimes likes to just pay, paint the glossiness over. The world is great. We're all happy. And then when you're the person who's struggling with something, you're like, there's something wrong with me that I'm not happy about this. So, so treasuring, I don't think is denying the reality of truth, difficulties, trials and tribulations that God says we will encounter. Um, but it is finding good even in those situations. And I mean, we all have that. Like, we all have these gifts and these good things in our life. It doesn't, and it doesn't negate that to acknowledge the difficulties. And sometimes it even strengthens it, you know? Yeah, I'm thinking of, we have a friend named Deborah that we both met in Roatan, or maybe you met her before, I don't know. Um, She lives in Roatan, Honduras. And I remember the story she told of she knew God was calling her to Roatan. And she, what I love about her is she's honest. She said, (laughs) I did not want to go. Um, I did not want to leave everything and quit my job and leave my kids. Her kids were grown, I mean, right out of high school, but she did not want to leave them and go. And she does. She says the whole way on the airplane, I'm just praying. And I, and I, I know that God is going to honor my obedience. And I could not wait to step foot on that island. I couldn't wait for my foot to hit the ground. I just knew that there was going to be this moment. She said, I stepped off that airplane and nothing happened. And I just (laughs) stood there and it didn't feel good. It was hot. (laughs) It was sticky and loud. And I didn't feel like it was this place that I was supposed to be. And she expected almost to for it to just glow and there to be music in the background. And I loved that story that she tells because we almost think for us to be able to treasure it and for it to be a gift that it has to ring true to feel really good in the moment. I'm obedient, God, and I'm leaving everything and I'm going to this foreign country and you're going to make everything perfect. 
and it didn't work out that way yeah. but she's still there and we right. met because of her yeah. and she's done all of these incredible things she has amazing ministry that she's doing there and what she learned is that a gift looks and feels different than she was ever yeah. expecting it to and and that she has treasured that in a way and so I love that. And I love this idea of treasuring those gifts. Um, so I'm wondering if, if this was so important, this idea of pondering these things in our hearts, what does that even mean? Like, I love that because of this idea of reflection. Okay. Um, maybe particularly in the Christmas season where you're just like going 90 miles an hour and, um, you know, you have all of these things that you have to do. And all of these places that you have to be and the idea of taking a minute and just really pondering things in your heart. And I think that as Christians, it's so crucial to our the health of our spiritual lives that we take the moment to ponder, like take the moment at Christmas to spend time in the Christmas story and go deeper, you know, don't just surface, surface things, but really ponder it in your heart, like the deepest part of you, the most, um, you know, the part of you that has all of those emotions and all of those things, take, take God's truth, take his gifts, take what's going on in your life and say, Lord, I want to ponder this. I want to really think through this. I want your truth and your wisdom and your understanding about these things. And I'm going to have to be really intentional, especially during the season, to find mm -hmm. space and the place and the time and the energy to do that. Um, <sighs> but it's definitely worth it. Right. We hope you have enjoyed journeying with Mary and Jesus and um, just understanding this truth and seeing ourselves in this story has been so refreshing to me. Um, my prayer is that you've found some hope and some peace and some power uh, to get you through this Christmas season um, with the Christmas story. So Tracy, I was looking over your notes today <laughs> and um, I noticed in here that we are going to talk about book of revelation uh which i listen i love it i love the book um i i've read it many times i think it's so fascinating and weird and scary and interesting but i have to point out two obvious things um one this book is a little crazy maybe too crazy for christmas and then two what does it have to do with christmas there's a really cool part in revelation and revelation five and it's about Jesus coming. So what, what is Christmas about? It's about oh Jesus coming. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I see where you're linking it here. So when you think of Jesus coming to either in the manger, what the symbolism of that is for Jesus coming to our life, we also see this amazing, cool, symbolic story um, in Revelation 5 that's Jesus coming. Okay. So it should be titled Christmas and Revelation. Well, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So you and I have spent a lot of time talking about the book of Revelation, I feel like. And I see you just come alive when you talk about it. I love that you love it and you bring this perspective. But why do you love Revelation 5 so much? Well, okay. I mean, I think 
first of all, when you're reading Revelation, like you have to kind of get over the amount of symbolism. Like, so there's all this kind of crazy imagery, which can at first be like, whoa, but you, you almost have to put like, like your high school English hat on, you know, where you had to learn all that, like, how do you interpret this poem sort of thing? Like where everything has one other deeper level of meaning. And, um, so when you do that and you get to Revelation 5, there's this amazing story, okay? Um, so let me kind of set the scene. Okay. Okay. So John is having these visions, and he is in heaven, okay? And there's this scroll, okay? And it has writing on both sides, and it's sealed with seven seals. Okay. Again, you got to get the symbolism, okay? Um, The seven, the number of completion, you know, we kind of know some of that sort of stuff. It's sealed, so no one can open it, right? And um, here's the problem is that no no one can. And that's that's what this angel is saying um, to John. He's saying, who's worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? And so that question, who is worthy? It's really kind of hangs in the air, like who is worthy? And when I think of that in terms of this and what the meanings of this, I think of like, who is worthy to be in charge of what's going on on earth? Who is worthy to work all of this out? Because we're kind of in a big mess here, right? Like we, we've kind of created a lot of mess. Who is worthy to judge that? And who is worthy to give us both that freedom of choice and to work it for ultimate good. And so what happens is, is it says in verse three, but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And he says, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside it. So he realized like we're in desperate need and there's no one. There's no one that can, can solve our problem for us. And so he's weeping and weeping. And then, this is then one of the elders. Now the elders, they represent like there's 24 of them, 12 for the, um, the tribes of Judah, 12 for the apostles. You add that in, it's kind of like Old New Testament, like all the believers. So the okay. elders are like the ones who are in charge. And so this elder says to him, it says, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So he's giving this great message. Hey, look, the lion. Like, it's okay. Don't cry. The lion's doing this, right? But then you got this strange situation. So he says, then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing in the center of the throne. And when I read this, this symbolism just strikes me that like, okay, he's so sad. We can't solve this. Oh, hey, it's okay. Look, there's the lion. And he turns to look and it's a lamb that looks like it's been slain. Like, and oh, have you ever experienced that with God where it's like, hey, someone's like, hey, no, 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 God's got to God, look at God. And you're thinking, oh, the God's going to do this amazing thing and God's going to be this. And then you look at, 
and God looks different. Mm. The, the way that he's working in your life isn't what you planned. He's the lamb. And what we find as we read on, this lamb is worthy to take the scroll and open up the seals. And he's doing it all. But maybe he looked a little bit different than we expected. Was this lamb slain already? Yeah. I mean, it says looking as if it had been slain. So he was. So he turns around expecting to see this lion, which I think embodies this power Power. and magnificence and also a little fear i'm afraid of it it's they are so scary when you're up close you know even at the zoo when they roar you just you know you almost (laughs) lose your breath and he turns around expecting to see something magnificent and something powerful the king right we even call him the king you know the (laughs) king of the jungle but he turns around and instead of seeing a warrior and seeing something powerful he sees something that looks dead and weak. Right. It's like, I mean, it's not even just like a sheep looking like it's a lamb. It's like the smallest, wimpiest little guy. And he's looking like he's been slain. Looks like he's been killed. Like, I mean, this is not. But we, I mean, I think sometimes when we read that we don't catch that because we already know okay god the the lamb he's been slain we know we kind of know that um symbolism and we know that jesus died on the cross but i mean it, it also points to the unexpectedness of the death of jesus on the cross like yeah we now know the mastery of that plan but at the time it i mean that's exactly what they saw that they, they were expecting mean, that's what was happening they were expecting the lion and then jesus was died on the cross yeah we're we're reading this story in it and it's beautiful and it's all of these things and it can feel really far off especially in revelation because we have to remind ourselves it was a revelation it was a <laughs> vision but what would this look like today when we expect to see this lion and we turn around and yeah. there's a lamb that just so happens to look slain. We're just adding even more to the equation. What does that look like today? I think sometimes, you know, I, I think sometimes it's something simple. Um, as I, as we were thinking about this lesson, I was reflecting on past Christmases and, um, I had a really hard Christmas. It would have been the Christmas when I was 17. And um, my parents had divorced the previous year. It was my first Christmas away from my mom. So, you know, that is its sadness. Yeah. <laughs> and we went up to visit my grandparents in Boston, which we'd never done at Christmas. So it was, kind of, it was just different. And I love visiting them, and it's great. Um, but I just remember... I was just kind of sad that year and was, and also like you're 17. So you're like, now you're past the fun of kid Christmas and it's all of those things. And I just remember, um, you know, just kind of being down that Christmas. And I remember it was Christmas Eve and, um, we got on the subway cause that's what you do in Boston. You ride to the Christmas Eve service at uh, my grandparents' church and my cousin, um, who she was probably, I don't know, 11 years old at the time. And she and my aunt, they were singing Christmas carols on the subway. 
And um, she started singing Oh Holy Night and this sweetest little voice. And there was like this way in which God met me on that subway, you know? And like, if you'd asked me what I wanted from God, I wanted him to, to get everything right and get my parents back together and let's all live that way, you know? That was my lion. But instead I saw this lamb and it was beautiful and it was what I needed. And um, that's my, you know, I mean, that's my favorite Christmas carol because it was, it was this reminder of who he is and then he meets us there and that Christmas is about that. It's not even about being with your mom, even though that's a great thing. Um, and so I think we all have those moments where God shows up and it's different, but he's there, you know? And um, it may be, you know, this tough thing. It may be the, the line for you might represent that that loved one would live and overcome their cancer. And maybe the lamb is that precious moment where you get to say goodbye, you know? Or, you know, it's those sorts of things where it didn't happen the way that you were expecting, but God showed up and he was there for you and he carried you. And the unshakable truth in this is whether it's the lion that shows up Uh or the lamb, that it's all Jesus. Jesus. Whatever hat he's wearing that day for you, whether he busted in as this powerful, magnificent king, or if he looks like a slain lamb that has no power and is meek, that either way that it's Jesus. And I, I need to hear that in, because I often expect that the only time that I can look back and say, God answered that prayer was when it was looked the way that I expected it to. Right. But instead, am I really seeing him in that? And am I looking for a lion? Am I looking for a lamb? Or am I looking for Jesus? And I know that Jesus always shows up. Yeah. He's always coming through. And he it might just look different than I expected him to, <laughs> but he's definitely showing up. So if we can find this courage to not look for a certain image, yes. um, then we won't be disappointed when we see the lamb. And now uh, us pulling away from the story, we, I get emotional going, Oh my gosh, I want the lamb over the lion any day. (laughs) But when you're down there in the trenches, the lion is what you think is going to save you. So such a powerful story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that truth in the scripture, but also that moment. I mean, that you were 17. That was a really, 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 really long time ago. (laughs) Okay, yes, maybe it was. (laughs) You still remembered it to a place where it brought up these emotions for you. And so I love that the Lord met you in that subway as a lamb. That's so incredible. Thank you for sharing your truth. Thank you for walking us through this. Is there any final thing that you would like to say to our moms? Yeah, I mean, I think that my word of encouragement during this holiday season really is that life does not have to be the Norman Rockwell Christmas. Like it doesn't have to fit, you know, particularly nowadays with social media. You know, I, um, I think 
I always crack up as I see when you get your Christmas cards and they have all the perfect families on there, right? You know, and I always think of this friend of mine, Leah, who told the story about when they were taking their family pictures and she, her son was 14 at the time and he was already mad because he was having to wear like a polo shirt and khakis which was just you know obviously way too much inconvenience for a 14 year old and then he was having to like look smile and stuff and she was I mean they were like horrible it was some family tension you know and so it was just and she was just like listen just smile let's take this picture and he said this picture is such a lie (laughs) and I love that because you know in the end she had pretty family pictures Mm -hmm. And like when you see those family pictures, there's you have to take everything with a grain of salt. Like sometimes it's such a lie. Like, and so, but I think we buy into that. Like, if our if our family's not matching the pictures that we see online or the pictures that we see in the card, then we think somehow like God isn't showing up for us or that you know something's wrong with us maybe we did it wrong maybe we blame ourselves maybe we blame god maybe we blame other people this one person ruined it for all of us sort of situation but like the point is is that god god doesn't see it like that and i think the theme that we've seen throughout this series is like it doesn't have to be perfect for there to be gifts from god there And God doesn't have to show up in the way that you thought he was for you to actually see powerfully God in your life. And you don't have to get everything you wanted, including your room in the inn, in order for you to to be blessed of God and for him to be powerful in your story. So I think that that's kind of my bottom line is that if this Christmas... If it's not what you want it to be or what you thought it would be or what you think it should be in the world's eyes, God is still there and he's still impacting your life. Absolutely. Moms, we hope you have heard that through this series. We hope you're hearing that today and that you're remembering. I just am even thinking of these photos of that maybe our Christmas card wouldn't look the way we expected it. Um, maybe it doesn't look like powerful and like life, um, but you're still a family and you are still good and you, you're doing the best that you can. And you need to hear that during this Christmas season that in the end um, that Jesus is, he's coming. And that's what Revelation 5 is telling us, that he is coming. And we need to remember that. And that's what Christmas is about, that he's coming and there might not be room in the end right now, but there eventually will be. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for sharing your wealth of knowledge and your stories and your Hebrew words. (laughs) And I just pray that all of the moms listening will never read the Christmas story the same again. Or for those of you who have never read it, we just encourage you to go through and read it yourself or watch that Charlie Brown movie (laughs) Um, and, and just to really imagine what Mary was feeling and what she was going through and to remember that she was 
a very young woman living this out and um, what an incredible story so so thankful for you Tracy so thankful for all you listeners um, thanks for listening today and to this series and make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast 